This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now... Enjoy the show. Hey, wrestling fans. I'm Jake Barton, creator of the history storytelling podcast called Historium. And you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 50! number 50 we made it i'm nick howell and i am sir ian dangerous and i am spicy like a tamale because my god we just had a monster weekend of pay-per-views coming out of wwe we not only did we have takeover philadelphia coming from nxt we also had in my opinion what may have been one of the greatest royal rumble pay-per-views of all time i just said it I just said it. It was really good. We're going to have to talk about that. Uh, You know, it was the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, You had the men's Royal Rumble, and you had some other very significant matches as well. The whole card was solid from top to bottom. And that wasn't even a card that had what may potentially have been a five-star match. Of course, I'm talking about the TakeOver match, uh, the TakeOver uh, pay-per-view the night before on Saturday night. We may have seen our first five-star match in WWE since 2013, I think. Punk Cena, yeah, is that what you're referring yes. to? Yeah. Uh, that was absolutely incredible. We got to talk about all that. We know which men and which women are headed to uh, WrestleMania with a guaranteed, quote-unquote, main event, the title shot at WrestleMania, uh, because they outlasted 29 other competitors uh, the, uh, on the Royal Rumble. And we also had a huge debut at the end of the Royal Rumble, which got everyone buzzing, broke the internet, Twitter went crazy. Yep. Uh, All kinds of sports news sites went crazy. And we also had some great returns, some nostalgic appearances. It was a hell of a weekend. Well, I want to take a moment to thank the listeners for hanging in with us for 50 episodes. Uh, This has been a great year for us. And something you just said really struck home with me. It was the women's first Royal Rumble match. If I reflect on the last year uh, of us doing these 50 episodes, there have been many of those first first ever women's XYZ, whatever it was, the money in the bank, right? Ladder match, hell in a cell. Now we've got a Royal Rumble in there, right? So uh, all of this, I'm very excited about that. It's been a fun journey, 50 episodes in, and I can't wait to do the next 50 with you. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for the next 50 when Jinder Mahal is not the champion. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, God, please don't. I hope we don't have to live through that again going into 2018. But, hey, guys, wanted to throw something else out at you real quick. Uh, come over and hang out with us at the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Lots of fun times over there and uh, posting memes, hot news stories, all that good stuff. You can also uh, find us live tweeting some of the episodes every week on Twitter at BWO Podcast. So give us a follow over there. But we got to get into these pay-per-views. So first and foremost, let's head over and talk about the Royal Rumble. All right, so if we're talking about the Royal Rumble, we need to start with the Royal Rumble matches. And with that one, we'll just go down the card. The men's was first, very interestingly, right in the middle of the show, third spot. It was the third match in. Caught me off guard. Caught me completely off guard. I, they started up the Royal Rumble, and I was like, what? 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 Oh, my God. Um, and there was a pluses and minuses to this. The The way that they structured the card on this pay-per-view was this, the, the source of much discussion afterwards. Like, did was this the right way to do it? Um, they had two matches, both SmackDown matches in the Men's Royal Rumble, and then they had the two Raw matches and then the Women's Royal Rumble at the end of the show for the in the main event slot, which I thought was was cool, and I thought that it deserved that. Because of its, you know, the place in history, whether or not you agree with how they're how they're kind of framing that for us as its place in history, sure. it is a historical moment. Totally, they they like to overstate that, but it is true. Uh, so I liked that being the main event, the true main event. Uh, that being said, the only downside to that was that it really did uh, take a toll on the crowd. I mean, this is one of the most lively wrestling crowds you'll get. You're in Philadelphia. And that is a very, for lack of a better word, smarky town. There's a lot of very smart wrestling fans there, very passionate wrestling fans, and they will let you know if you're if you're doing things they like or not. Um, and at the same time, they also, because they're so energetic, it's possible for them to burn out. And that's you kind of saw that in this pay per view where after the men's Royal Rumble, they were exhausted because it was a it was a great match but it was also just non-stop energy from start to finish well it's 90 minutes but you got to go take a pee after that you've been drinking beer for two hours at that point yeah you and, know? <laughs> well and all the rest of it and then so by the time the women's royal, royal rumble came along everyone was a little bit gassed and they to their credit to philadelphia's credit they manned up for that women's royal rumble and they got back into it even though um arguably it was a harder match to get excited about because you had more talent involved. They, they were basically just, they were pulling everyone out of the woodwork to get them in that match. Uh, and there were some women that frankly did not have the crowd as energized as the men's Royal Rumble, which was from top to bottom. Everyone who came out, everyone was pretty excited to see. Yeah, it was very poppy for the uh, was what, what word I would use to describe it, the women's Royal Rumble match uh, because there were so many like, oh my God, what great legacy superstar is going to come out next? Yeah, but then all, all of a sudden Mandy Rose comes out or something like that. And everyone's sure. like, yay, yay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, cool, current star, but no, she's not really over yet. You know what I mean? So she didn't have the same kind of pop but, but I'm not as down on that stuff as I am about the men's some of the stuff that went down at the end of the men's match but we'll, we'll really? talk about that oh, oh well, yeah. let's well let's get right into it let's start about let's talk about the men's match yes. uh overall overall I thought the flow was fantastic I thought that uh, as opposed to some of the recent Royal Rumbles in the last specifically the cup last couple of years which have just been for me dogs and you know I, I think about Royal Rumble matches not just in terms of who wins the, the whole thing but the stories told throughout it and how the whole match flows. Do you have people coming in and eliminating other people that in ways that make sense, in ways that look good and are exciting, both the way they enter and the, and the way that they go out? Um, 
but also do you have like throughout the whole is the whole match entertaining yeah does it tell a story throughout the entire thing that you can you can follow you know what i mean yeah. and and there's been some where it just it's just been a cluster in the last couple of years i'm, I'm thinking about the one where you had kane and big show eliminating pretty much everyone's favorite wrestlers at the end of it and then it's i think rusev and kane and big show against roman reigns or something like that at the end sheamus i think uh, I have to go back and look, but stuff like that where the crowd just dies as a result. The crowd never died yeah, that's in true. this one. And frankly, I thought the booking was particularly good because I felt like they were booking specifically for Philadelphia and the smart wrestling fans there and playing on their emotions and what they knew they would want and what they knew they wouldn't want. Well, Ian, before I get too far down my rabbit hole of how it kind of ended and things wrapped up, um, let's talk about how things got started and where some of those stories you were referring to really kicked off. Perfect. Yeah. No, I mean, it started off, uh, number one, Rusev, who is super over right now. I have I have friends who haven't watched wrestling for a while, and they they, they what's the Rumble, so they were like, oh, I'm going to come back and watch the Rumble. And I had one text me and go, how long has this Rusev day been, thing been going on? He's like, what the hell is this? So they swerved me with this one because it wasn't. It was Aiden English that came out. And I thought, oh my god, Aiden English number one. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember for those of you following along on the, on Twitter uh, during the event, I was I was live tweeting it, and I was going, oh my god, Aiden, my boy Aiden English out number one. Hell no, yeah. no, Aiden's, oh no, it's it's he's oh, introducing the Rusev. Rusev, and of course everyone just went nuts chanting Rusev Day, and I was like, who the heck can they bring out second that's going to be able to match this crowd energy? And it was Finn Balor. My pick to win the whole thing, which of course immediately gave me a sinking feeling in my yeah. stomach. I oh, kind of went ah crap, <laughs> ah crap. Yes, uh, but you know, the, the, but it kept the crowd really hot. You had two really hot guys out top. That was brilliant. Uh, and then you know, quickly followed up by Baron Corbin, and it was the whole thing started off really hot. They came out the gates just flying. Well, I'll tell you who almost stole this Royal Rumble match, and I think a lot of the crowd would agree with me because it went on for a long time was when Baron Corbin got eliminated, Heath Slater came out at almost the same time, but Baron murdered him on his way down the ramp. Yeah, Baron got got eliminated and then started killing everyone and then murdered Heath on his way out, and then that became like a running gag for the next about five or six entrants with Heath getting beaten down by every... Elias came out next and kicked him in the face, and then number seven was Cien Almas who we'll talk about later on when we talk about TakeOver, but he just had a hellacious match the night before, and he came out number seven. And I, I said online that I, I didn't think that anyone who had an actual match in NXT the night before was coming out for this Royal Rumble. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I, the, here comes Cien Almas. He kicks Heath in the face, and that kind of went on for a while until uh, Sheamus came out at number, I believe, 11. And uh, Sheamus, of course, also kind of beats up Slater and then Slater gets in and immediately no, Sh- no Sheamus throws him throws into him the in, ring and then Slater immediately eliminates Sheamus, which I thought was a brilliant move and it got a huge pop and yeah and the next few entrants were you know the middle of the Royal Rumble roster where you started getting like Kofi Kingston Xavier Woods Big E we had all of the new all day the new day came out right come before there, the yeah. teens right and then Shinsuke Nakamura snuck in there uh, which 14. I thought was interesting because i thought he he would end up being one of the later entrants because he was somewhat of a of a pick to win the whole thing anyway well this is the thing is they did a really good job of putting people in places where they then would go on to do things that you wouldn't expect and the commentary even put that over where they said oh you know almost no one in the teens has ever won this thing they sneak that in around number 13 when they say that Uh, but they did. They, there's a lot of business in the middle of this that even was con, was continuing existing feuds like uh, like Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt eliminating each other. Um, 
the kind of ongoing thing that's been happening with New Day, where you had the Kofi Kingston moment, where how he always has a way always. to not get eliminated. Jinder Mahal el- eliminates Big E and Xavier, and then tries to eliminate Kofi, but Kofi falls out onto Xavier, so doesn't put both feet on the ground. And then they get a plate of pancakes for him to put his foot on, which I thought was really stupid, but also really fun. I laughed my <laughs> I ass like, off. Okay, fine. I, you know that's that's cute. Uh, that's a cute way of doing it. And so he's hopping around on this plate of pancakes. And then they did what I thought was the good, great payoff for that, which was they had him get back in the ring by doing like one, like a cheerleader vault where they were Biggie and uh, Xavier put their hands out. Kofi stands in their hands and they throw him over Jinder Mahal's head into the ring. And uh, Finn Balor in the background, by the way, who was still in there, had the greatest facial reaction to this. Uh, like uh, just a holy shit. Oh, <laughs> 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 Uh, Only Kofi Kingston. Yeah, could, and he eliminates Jinder and then immediately gets eliminated by, I believe, uh, I believe actually almost eliminated him after, right after that. But yeah. uh, but anyway, so that was that was a great moment. And then uh, we getting over into the 20s is when things really started to work the crowd. Because yeah, we had Seth you, Rollins come out at 18 and then John Cena, my pick to win, come out at number 20. Yes. And, and I then, started to go, okay, this is going to happen. We get there and we still haven't seen, we, we see John Cena, but we still haven't seen Orton or Reigns, which are the other two guys everyone kind of thought would win. The company picks, if you will, the safe picks to win the whole thing. So right. uh, in the meantime, we also, as we got later into the 20s, we also had some, some pretty incredible surprise entrance. Adam Cole, from NXT, who also had a hellacious match the night before at TakeOver, comes out with his ribs taped a la DDP and runs down to the ring and gets involved. And then the big the big surprise, the one that had something like 6 million hits on, on YouTube. Hurricane. Uh, no. Oh, Hurricane, okay. was a, Hurricane was a cute one. <laughs> coming down it was genius. And messing with Cena, too. It was genius. Trying to get Cena the scene of the old chokeslam. Yep. Yep. And then immediately gets eliminated. That was, I. hey, man, I, I knew he wasn't doing anything with TNA anymore, so I'm so glad. I was glad to see him back. I wish he'd got a little bit more time, but it was a classic nostalgia spot. You get the old guy coming out and doing his moves and then quickly out. But no, the big one, the big one that no one, I think, that I saw predicted, uh, Rey Mysterio. Yes. Somehow escaped his cell over on Lucha Underground. <laughs> yes. Someone let him out after season three, and he showed up. And Rey Mysterio, he came, looked great. He looked like a monster, even though he's you know five six, five seven. He looked he was jacked. He got in two six one nines, a double six one nine. Yep. And something we'll talk about later this week is there's some speculation of whether or not he could be the one to be the new two hundred five live GM. How amazing would that be? It'd be brilliant, and it would be a great way to reinvigorate that brand. You know, I think that having him as a GM would would be the most logical choice. So that and that's the first thing I thought when I saw him come out was like, oh. There's the GM. So we'll have to watch 205 Live this week and find out who Absolutely. the GM is going to be. Well, hey, before we get into the how things played out at the end, like the final four, the final six, whatever that's going to be, I want to talk about the last five or six entrants that came in. Yep. Because I was very, I don't want to say negatively, but I, I didn't like that these particular superstars came out in spots that are more traditionally reserved for uh, bigger spots. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to. I want For to example. say that in the nicest way possible, right? For example, Titus O'Neil. Okay. Coming out at twenty-five. Okay. Uh, threw me for a bit of a loop. Yeah, he's he's not going to be a one to, to favorite to win it. Um, it's it's one of those where we've seen bigger names or legacy stars or something like that come out. Uh, combine that with a Gold Dust and then Dolph Ziggler coming out at number thirty. Uh, tw- 
Goldust and Ziggler are your last two entrants into this Royal Rumble match. Really threw me for a... Uh, what? I just, that's what the reaction that I was having. Well, and here's the thing is I actually... I give that a pass because of the overall pacing of the match. And, and they had the guys that we expected to come out, Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. And, and those came out... They were already in the ring. So by that point, we had the people that we knew were going to win in the ring, and we needed a couple of guys to to fill it and to kind of pace out these bigger entrants. And I thought that's what Titus and Goldust were there for. They weren't there to make us think, oh, they could win. They were there to put bodies in the ring, have people to be eliminated by these other big stars, right. and give us breathing room before the next big star. The one that kind of left me scratching my head was Ziggler at 30. Now, that was definitely... The, 30 always has to be a punctuation mark in Royal Rumbles, right? So you always want to have someone come out who's going to make the crowd go, oh, that's the last guy, right? And they've screwed that up before. They've had 30s in the last couple of years that have been awful. Well, AJ. Uh, AJ was number three. Oh, that's right. He didn't come out last. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. No, I'm uh, sorry. Batista was a famous like yeah. bomb 30. You know what I mean? Everyone wanted... Triple H from a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, years that ago. Was, which were the, when the fix was in. But, uh, but that's the thing is that 30 has to be a punctuation mark. And I thought that Ziggler did fill that to some extent where the crowd went, oh, shit, Ziggler's back. Um because we haven't seen him since he walked away from the U.S. title, which still hasn't really been explained. It's still not a story around it. And the problem was, is it still hasn't been explained. It's still not a story because he was in there for a couple of seconds and then got eliminated fairly quickly and fairly congruously. Like It was like, oh, and Ziggler's gone. And He was in for was two it. minutes, I think, is, is, where, yeah. is what so the it record was, shows. So it worked in the sense that when he came out, everyone was excited by it. But very quickly, it, was, it became a nothing thing. And we got down to our final six, which, by counterpoint, were a fantastic final six. Agreed. Because, and they took that moment. They paused when you had the final six. And the final six were uh, Mysterio, uh, Finn Balor, who lasted the entire time, which made me perk back up. I said, my boy can still win it. Uh, and he can and last for longer than Flair. Yeah. Uh, Balor, uh, Nakamura was still there. Roman Reigns. And of course, John Cena and Randy Orton. And so you had them lining up, the new guys versus the old guys, three on three. Ray, Cena, and Orton. And then on the other side, uh, ironically, Reigns, Balor, and Nakamura. And that was a great moment. The crowd was buzzing. I was sitting at home going, okay, except for Mysterio, these are the five guys that everyone that I've thought of, everyone I've talked to has said, these are the five guys who could conceivably win the Rumble. And they got us here without overplaying the hand and, 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 and making it obvious these guys were going to be here. Having Balor come out so early, having Nakamura come out so early, uh, it made it so that you were kind of like, wait, I didn't think these guys were still going to be in this, and here they are, and now we have these final six, and I don't know, except for Ray, I don't know who's going to win this yeah. at this point. And of course, Ray goes out pretty quickly to, to Balor, and we're left with the final five. And Reigns eliminates Orton. Reigns eliminates Orton. So now we're which down I, Which to- I thought, which by the way, if you'd asked me which of the five should go out first, it would have been Orton. Yeah. So now we're down to the final four, Nakamura, Balor, Reigns, and Cena. And it was almost this two-on-two of the old guard versus... Uh, the new guard of 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 Balor and Knock, right? Exactly. And that's such a brilliant thing to do in a town like Philadelphia, which really is behind your new talent and wants to see you build new stars and is sick of these old guys getting all the push. Not that Reigns is an old guy, even though he kind of feels like it at this point. Yeah. Uh, but we're just we're in, we're conditioned to be kind of sick of him at this point. He's won so many rumbles recently. He's had such a run where he's been pushed so hard and everyone wants to see someone else win. Cena's won so many times. He's a part-timer now, so we don't want to see him win, at least from a, like a smart wrestling fan standpoint. 
So you do have the company guys versus the quote unquote indie guys or the new guys, the new Japan guys, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And it became that great dynamic where they got really got the crowd buzzing. And in the final four, both of our picks to win it were both in there. Right. Down so you to and I five. also. And I'm sitting there going, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course you were because then your boy Cena eliminated my boy Balor. And I was just like, oh, God damn it. Ah. I stood up and cheered. You can ask Esther. I was yeah, like, I'm yes. Sure. I'm sure you bastard. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no. So we then we down to the final three, Cena, Reigns, and Nakamura. And at this point, you could pretty much say the fix was going to be in either way. Because I didn't think at any point that John Cena was going to win. <clears throat> uh, but I thought that WWE might be arrogant enough to flip off the Philly fans and put Roman Reigns over again. I thought they might be crazy enough to do that. And as I said, if they did, the place would have burned down yes. because that crowd was so against Reigns. <laughs> uh, so Nakamura knees Cena in the face and knocks him out of the whole thing. And then it's Nakamura Reigns. And the crowd got even more like, oh, God. And it was, fan- it was a fantastic finishing sequence. Yes, yes. Uh, look, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be like you and go out on record and say this is one of the best ever, but it was really, really good. It, it was, was fantastic. And the right guy won. And there was a great back and forth, and you didn't know. And there was the classic, like, final two spots in the Royal Rumble. Like, is he going to go out? Oh, the reversal. Nakamura finally knocks Roman off to huge ovation. Yeah. His reaction immediately afterwards was great. Uh, and, of course, he immediately goes up and starts posing, pointing at the WrestleMania sign, which was what everyone does from now until WrestleMania. And was uh, it in the ring or was it backstage where he named AJ Styles that he wanted in to In the face? ring. They came up to him afterwards. Immediately, yeah. uh, he's still out of breath. Renee comes up to him and says, Shinsuke, you just want a chance at the at the title of your choice. Who are you going to face? And he just screams out, AJ, AJ Styles. Styles. And we are going to get the dream match that pretty much everyone who's been following these guys' career has wanted to see since their last five-star match in Japan. We're getting it at WrestleMania. I mean, barring Rock some who? barring some weird <laughs> barring some weird, you know, if they if they possibly take the title off of AJ between now and WrestleMania, <coughs> no, it's it's happening. They're definitely doing that, and it's smart to do that. Yeah, it and is. this this was my point with with saying like a few months ago when we were saying you know if they are building towards uh, Reigns and Lesnar at WrestleMania, which seems to be what they're going to do, uh, the most. The, the smart thing to do would be to have that, to have that for Vince, because that's what Vince wants. And it's also going to be, you know, for the kids, really, if anything. But then for the hardcore wrestling fans, you can have your cake and eat it, too. Have your Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, but then have your other main event be a Smarks wet dream, Nakamura and AJ for the title in WWE at WrestleMania. They, 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 that's the thing is we, no, everyone was like, how could they not see that they could have both of these? I'm, and they luckily ugh. they did. And yes, I will put this Royal Rumble in the tops of all time. I immediately texted my boy Andy uh, to tell him that I thought that this was top ten. And the more I think about it, it might even be top five of all time. I and can, that's with, I can give that's you with that. nostalgia. Nostalgia added to it, like because I have definitely some nostalgic memories of Royal Rumbles that really aren't that great of yeah. Royal Rumble matches. But this one, I mean, just the booking from top to bottom, the flow, the storytelling, the crowd, everything came together. This was a fantastic and the right guy won. Well, let me play Sports Center for a second and let's go over some quick stats of of some things. So the highest number of eliminations that happened in the in this match were four. And we had a tie between Roman Reigns and Finn Balor 
having the most of four eliminations, right? When we look at the time, uh, it's been big news that Finn Balor basically broke all the records. No, not all Was in there for 57 minutes and 38 seconds. It wasn't all the records, but that was certainly a long time. He he came in at number two, and he was down to the final three. Yep. Holy... mm. Yeah, definitely went... uh, He went the distance on that. And that's, I think, a, a way of them doing a good job of not having him win, but still having him look fantastic coming yeah. out of it. Although I will say it's, it's interesting that you note that they both, uh, both he and Reigns had four eliminations because yeah. uh, <laughs> Reigns was in at 28 and he got four. Right. Well, and Finn was, Finn was in the entire time. Well, if you're going to go there, Bray Wyatt also had three eliminations in 20 minutes. So, you know, if if Bray was in for 20 minutes. He, he was, was in for that long. He was there for 20 minutes and 38 seconds, according really? to this uh, Wikipedia page. That I don't I'm remember at. him being in that long. Right. Other notable Shinsuke himself had three eliminations. Obviously, that final four. Uh, those were his three eliminations. John, he, he was in for like 30 minutes plus two. 44 minutes wow. and 38 seconds for Shinsuke Nakamura. So well done, Nak. Uh, great first showing at a Royal Rumble. Seriously. Uh, so yeah, that's the men's Royal Rumble. Shinsuke Nakamura facing AJ Styles for WrestleMania. Done. Done. It's in the books. It's going to happen. And I just all over myself. Yeah. You know, it just, that's, no. it just, right, I know, I, I know, but I yeah, know this was a fantastic so one. Did everybody and, else, you know, <laughs> and it was, it was funny because as I said earlier in the show, when this ended, everyone was just like, the crowd was winded. The next match that happened was the Raw tag match, which we'll get into later in the show. And the crowd was just dead. They were murdered. They were they were completely gassed from this fantastic, not, like nearly nonstop action rumble. And it was I thought I thought again. Props to the Philly crowd. They manned up because now we got to talk about the women's Royal Rumble, which happened later on in the show. It was the main event. It was the main event. And frankly, I'm going to. I'm going to go into it by saying I had low expectations. I thought that there was, I thought this was going to be a botch fest. I thought that this was going to, uh, you know, you have a bunch, a bunch of people who have never been in a Royal Rumble. In the men's Royal Rumble at the end, you had John Cena just giving absolutely zero fucks and calling spots while facing hard cam out loud. Shin, now, now, Shin, Shinsuke, now. He's calling the, the shots. So you had these veterans in the match who were, who were, you know, kind of creating the the match as they go, you weren't going to have that in the women's rumble because no one's ever been in it before. Right. So, you know, I thought that it was going to be um, a lot, a lot of bad wrestling, a lot of worse timing. And I was so happy to be wrong. There was still like, there was still some sloppiness and whatnot, but it was overall, I thought it was a fantastic success. I, I agree. Overall, it was a success for being the first one ever. It was the, uh, high school reunion of sorts that I kind of went into expecting it to be. I, I knew that we would get probably 10-ish legacy superstars yeah. coming out. Uh, you know, Lita and Trish. Well, and they had only announced, they'd only announced 18 women before the, the match, so Correct. they had tons of spots Correct. open. So there was 10-ish to come in there. There were a couple of big surprises as well that, that we'll talk about, but... Uh, we open things up. Sasha Banks comes out as number one, many people's favorite to win uh, one of this match. And who comes out number two? Becky Lynch. Yeah, another you have, one of you the have favorites. Two of the four horsewomen of NXT coming what? out off the top. I was like, wow, whoa, okay. <laughs> but it made sense because both of them had very long runs in this match. Becky went out about two thirds of the way through, yeah, kind thirty of, minutes. Kind of ignominiously, in my opinion, I, I thought that uh, the way that they eliminated her was a mm, it was not my favorite. But at the same time, like you got to go out at some point. 
but Sasha was the Iron Woman of this match. She lasted almost the entire time. She was she went out fourth to last at fifty two minutes, I believe. It's uh, fifty four forty six. My goodness, just three minutes shy of Finn. So that this 57. is smart because you have two of your best women wrestlers kind of holding down and anchoring everybody else the entire time. And then Sasha had some. She had some pretty bad kicks in there a couple times in the background where she was wasn't wasn't minding the details, but she was definitely there to make sure that everyone who came in had at least one person they could fight who pretty much knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, and that was that's what they those two were there to be is for everyone else who may, may be a little bit greener, may need someone to anchor on. That's what they were there for. Yeah. And that worked really well. Well, coming out third, we had Sarah Logan and Mandy Rose uh, both coming up from NXT recently. Uh, and then fifth, Lita. Yep. The in first. The top five was our first kind of legacy superstar coming out in her old gear as yeah. well. Yeah. I can't say that she looked as good as she used to, but I wouldn't expect her to. But no. she could still do the lead assault and she still could. Well, she do- almost killed herself doing it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, but she, she pulled, came right down on her she head. Pulled it off. She always looked. At, hey man, go watch her old ones. She I always swear. looked like she was about to die doing that thing. Well, yeah, when you're doing off top of a ladder, I'm talking about you're jumping off of a five foot. Oh, she do it off the rope. She would always look like. She, anyway, the right. bottom line is, Lita still looked great. And in fact, we had a lot of, as you say, legacy superstars uh, coming out, which I thought was also really nice, and for two reasons. Uh, part of me was like, why aren't we calling up more NXT women? Why aren't we calling up more women who, women who are in the May Young Classic and giving them a shot? Why are we having all of these women from yesteryear, if you will? Uh, and what I what I realized was, you know what? This is the very first Women's Royal Rumble. Right. We're going to have more of these, I can only imagine. Correct. So this is a good one to really kind of honor the past and the people that got us to the point where they could have a Women's Royal Rumble while they can still do stuff. And, you know, you had people like Molly Holly come out and 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 do her moves, and you had Michelle McCool come out and eliminate five people, which is the most eliminations in the women's match, which right. was... I, uh, I felt two ways about. Uh, <laughs> you had randomly, you had Vicky Guerrero come out and scream at everybody for a while. Endlessly. Endlessly. Which was hilarious. And if I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, on record... Vicky Guerrero was eliminated by Becky Lynch, Michelle McCool, <laughs> Ruby Riot, and Sasha Banks all at the same time. Well, so. they had to let her down gently because she's not exactly a wrestler. That's fair. That's and they fair. pretty much they dumped her out very, very nicely. We ended up having, uh, it looks like, four Hall of Famers in Lita, Jacqueline, Beth Phoenix, and Trish Stratus. Right. Uh, right. And then five, what, what they're calling free agents, in Tori Wilson, Molly Holly, Michelle McCool, Vicky Guerrero, as we Kelly just Kelly. said. Kelly And Kelly Kelly. Yep. Nine. So it was it was nine of the entrants into the women, first ever women's Royal Rumble match were not on the roster. I guess you sure. would be the best way to say that. And and it's interesting because you know uh, it's what I expected though. It is what I expected. I there are there were a few more legacy stars than I expected. I I actually thought there was going to be more people from NXT. The only people we got from NXT were Ember Moon, which I was shocked to see because you know we'll talk about this when we talk about takeover yeah but she was in a brutal match with Shayna Baszler where Shayna pretty much ripped her arm out of the socket yeah and she came into this match with one arm yeah holding her arm they were completely bandaged up and everything it was just and she was selling it like it was death the entire time and then you had Kyrie Sane come out who I thought they were selling as being injured or something but she came out and had a, a pretty good a, yeah, pretty good showing the didn't crowd, get any crowd, eliminations, but she was in there for five was minutes. Her, but she had to do all of her moves. She did her elbow yeah. twice and her yeah. little walk the plank thing. So, you know, but 
going back to the legacy stars, there were definitely more than I thought there were. And some of them got more offense than I thought they would like Michelle McCool. Some of them got less than I thought they should uh, like Molly Holly and um, uh, Kelly Kelly. Both really didn't. They, they, both, they both look kind of rusty, yeah. which is to be expected, but didn't get as much time as I, I thought they possibly should. That being said, good God, Trish Stratus looks freaking amazing and she can still go and her face off with uh with Mickey James calling back to that incredible yes. feud they had one of the few like truly great women's feuds like 2005 in history. man i got chills when i saw that that was and the crowd popped for it too as they should the other big face off that was fantastic uh and someone who i'd love to see back in the roster is Beth Phoenix she comes in and she's still just jacked and looks great and she got face to face with Nia Jax and the crowd was loving that. Yes. And that was a nice stare down. And they had a, a good moment where uh, where Phoenix was trying to put Nia on her shoulders and she couldn't. And then, you know, the whole old strength spot. Yes. She can't do it. She goes back and tries it again. This time she gets her up. And she gets them up. Everyone pops. That was awesome. That was some really good stuff. That and we did have a face-off between Asuka and Ember Moon was the other one that really stood out for me. And Electrifying, as a, as a pop moment. if you will. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, the, because of their great feud in NXT, and it yes. showed that they're in front of a crowd that remembers that, that this was one of the best feuds in NXT of the last year was Ember versus Asuka. And she gets in there you know, this, with one arm and faces down Asuka, and Asuka's like, oh, go again yes. all right but ends up eliminating her anyway uh yeah. obviously because she's got a freaking arm although uh, to be fair ember looked like she kind of eliminated herself she jumped that top rope a little too yeah. too hard but self uh, self-assisted you could say right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was still it was a cool moment there's a lot of cool moments in this match uh one of the things though that i was kind of weird but i guess i should start to expect it now bailey in at 28 didn't do a damn thing, and then got eliminated by uh, by Sasha Banks, her her friend. Bailey was twenty nine. Before that, you forgot about Nikki and Brie Bella that came in True, in the they last were back. five and yep. ended up being in. Was it the last? The last they, two. The, the last, last yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, they were two of the last three. It was the Bella Twins and Oscar. Correct. The, the last. Three. The final three. And I was sitting over here going, "Oh God, no!" After after, and the reason that was the final three is because Sasha Banks, after eliminating Bailey and starting to look like she's going back to her heel NXT boss character. Yes. Yes. Bring it back. Yes. Uh, she starts directing the Bella twins to kick the crap out of Asuka. And of course, they turn on her and toss her out. Right. And she can't believe it. And then <laughs> Nikki Bella turns on her sister and throws her out. And then get you down to Nikki Bella and Asuka. More about that later. But yes, Nikki Bella versus Asuka. I, you know what? I'm not too mad at this. I'm not too terribly mad at this. That we do know now that there is going to be storyline out of the, off the back of the rumble between the Bella twins leading to a mania spot, mania moment, whatever that's going to be. Uh, that has been confirmed backstage. So it's it's it made sense to highlight them. Uh, Divas is wrapping up this season, the finale. They're trying to push a lot of that stuff. Uh, Nikki was on Dancing with the Stars last year. Yes, they're stars. We get that. Do we want to see them in legit wrestling matches? Not really. But here's the thing. Okay, yes. But look at the final four of the women's match and the final four of the men's match. Sure. It was very similar. You had the two... That's a great point. Previous previous stars and the two up-and-coming new stars. And what happens is one of the new star gets eliminated by the old star, and then you have the two old stars and the one new star. They turn on each other. And they turn on each other. <laughs> and yep. then you have the, the 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 old star and the new star. The the not to call Nikki necessarily old, but you know, the previous generations, if yeah. you will, star. 
and also kind of the more the company favorite. And so the crowd can sit there and go, well, is Asuka taking this or are they going to give Nikki this moment? Yeah. So it was it was in a lot of ways very similarly booked, but the dynamic in the ring was different enough that it didn't feel like the exact same match. You know what I mean? So it was so I did appreciate that. But that was an exciting final two because you're sitting there going, God, are they gonna give it to Nikki? I thought they might. And D- the same way you th- you think they might, they put might Roman do it with Reigns. Reigns. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Hey Jinx, what? Thought, what? <laughs> Oh, says we, what? we can, we can but, never do that again because that's horrifying. Uh, but th- th- we, hey, 50 episodes, it starts happening, Ooh, right? Yeah. So, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, Asuka wins. Yes. Asuka is the winner of the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. Charlotte and Alexa Bliss, who are sitting ringside the entire time, get in and stand on either side of her. And uh, it looks like Asuka's going to choose which one she's going to face. So where was where was your Ronda Rousey girl that you thought was going to win the, the Rumble? Why did, oh, that's why so she funny because she came out right then. She came out after the Rumble, and uh, everyone like, what the hell? Comes out with the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's graphics with her name on it. Comes out in Rowdy Roddy Piper's jacket, by the way. The, my first thought when Ronda Rousey came out after the Royal Rumble was, good God, what is that oversized jacket? She, oh my God, is that Rowdy Roddy's jacket? Yep. And I thought it might have been something like Rowdy Roddy's jacket to make me, to, to draw the comparison. No, no, no. I found out afterwards, apparently... Rowdy's uh, Piper's son was backstage and gave Rhonda Rowdy Roddy's jacket to wear out. Wow. And just to, just to remind everybody, if, if you're questioning uh, Rousey's legitimacy when it comes to the wrestling world and when it comes to Rowdy Roddy Piper, right? she and Roddy were very close. She actually, when he passed away, she dedicated a match to him right afterwards. Uh, in addition, uh, Gene LaBelle trained Roddy Piper. That's her uncle. He also trained. He also trained Daniel Bryan. Oh, the yes lock that Daniel Bryan uses is yeah. the LaBelle lock. It's that's where he got it from. So that's the connection there. Huh. So she and, and 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 Rowdy before Piper died, he gave her like he said, yes, you can use that name for yourself. So anyone who's going, why is she doing the Rowdy Roddy Piper thing? It's because Rowdy Roddy Piper freaking said so. That's why. So Respect. yep. So totally okay with that. What I was not okay with was the fact that she. Very obviously, it was just basically told, go out there, get in people's faces, point at the WrestleMania sign, and walk away. And that's what she did. And she obviously, I don't think, has been trained on hard cam because she was blocking people and just in a weird place. And the whole thing was kind of awkward. And it was, you know, the commentary didn't know what to say. They were going, what does it mean? What does it mean? Stephanie, who was on commentary, also apparently for some reason, even though she's the boss, had no idea what was going on. That's what they were playing. So the whole thing came across as being very awkward. And frankly... I felt like it kind of stepped on Oscar's moment. Uh, that's just that's just my opinion on it. I thought it was cool to have Ronda come out. It was a, it was a nice punctuation to the night, but I don't think it was executed very well. I agree with that, and I, I think it would have been better served the following nights. Uh, you know, upcoming on Raw or SmackDown, whichever brand they're going to stick her on. Sure. Um, there's more information that we know that we'll go over in just a second. But you you call you mentioned Stephanie being on commentary. That's something I don't think we brought up previously. There were a couple of funny moments where Michael Cole would try and throw to her to say something, like to cue her. <laughs> yeah. And just silence, just nothing. Like she, like how do you not Didn't pick, pick it up. up on that? Because she's not a commentator, and she's not. I mean, you've been around this shit for twenty plus years. Doesn't Come on. mean you're instantly going to know how to be on commentary. Uh, I mean, okay. here's the thing. I, I'm going to play a quick devil's advocate here because there, I was ready to freaking loathe Stephanie on commentary. I was ready for it to just grate on me like JBL on cocaine. Yeah. But you know what? She wasn't 
that bad. No, she did throw in some. She was like a, a secondary color commentator where yeah. she would throw in interesting stats and facts about the women who were in the match. I did not know that Mandy Rose could squat 350 or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like, that's a great fact. I went, damn. All right, girl. That's a cool fact. That's something that's actually something I wish they would do on commentary more. Yeah. Is give us these outside facts about them that don't have anything to do with their character per se, but are just interesting facts about this person. And Stephanie did that a lot. Uh, so that was one thing I did like about her commentary. I mean, I follow Mandy Rose on Instagram and sh- watch her lift weights and stuff. So I know. Of course you do. That she. What are you trying to say? I am not trying How to say anything. You, I am. I am openly saying. Insinuate something that I would objectify a woman a in stalker. that way. A stalker. Come on. Uh, anyway, but my point is, is that Stephanie was not as bad as she could have been. I really honestly do feel that. And, you know, it was another thing where I was. Uh, I was ready to for it to be awful. And maybe it was because my expectations were so low that she didn't bother me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and we've been through so many bad commentary teams in WWE that she was not the worst. No. She was better than Lita. Yeah. yeah. I hate to say it. Arguably better than Beth Phoenix too. I, I think I've wiped that from my memory, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, the point is, is she, it could have been way worse. Anyone who's jumping on her for that. Yeah. You know what? Think about how much worse it could have been. Uh, the only weird thing, like I said, was at the end, Ronda Rousey comes out and ends up going to the side of the ring and shaking Stephanie's hand as well in kind of an awkward moment, maybe calling back to WrestleMania 31 where they had some physicality in the ring. And uh, Stephanie acted, acted like she didn't know why she was there. And that was that was really strange. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, yeah. Overall, very happy with the women's match. Uh, and if this is how women's Royal, Royal Rumbles are going to be, great. All in. And And again, like I was saying earlier, if this was the year of the legacy star and throwing back to previous previous women, previous women wrestlers, and giving them time, bringing back in Jackie, who looked great by the way, yes. uh, and Michelle everyone else, cool with five eliminations, she could be on the roster today. Well, th- I mean, I'm not saying this because Undertaker was her husband and pulled some strings, Maybe, but know. I'm not not saying that. I'm not saying that Nikki Bella being having another run and being you know at the end of the thing had anything to do with it. John Cena's influence backstage, but I'm and, just and saying. this is one thing that I honestly I, I'm feeling of two minds about was that the crowd was chanting at some of these women, their husbands or booyfriends uh, stuff, right? Like Lana came out and everyone started chanting Rusev Day, which is her husband. I love it. And well, yes and no. I, I would, for, I, again, I'm of two minds on it. Like it's nice that they're getting recognition and they're, and they're over in that way, but it's, it's by association. And I, I, it's like, uh, I, I don't know if that's in, that's, the women should be able to stand on their own laurels and they're like Trish Stratus gets her own pop. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? People are popping for Lana because of Rusev. People are popping for Michelle McCool because of undertaker. And it's kind of like, I don't know if it made me, it made me feel, i still haven't wrapped my head around it. Like I, I, I get the feeling like it's not cool, but I can't really put my finger on why. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yes. If you think about Trish Stratus, I don't want to say that she's, earned it to imply that the others haven't but she did she really really did she had to make out with vince mcmahon on tv man she she earned her spot totally um but at the same time i'm not going to put her lana in the same class as that lana doesn't really have an identity outside of uh rusev's advocate 
right? They're so trying to give her another identity. Yeah. I, I know they're trying, but it's nowhere near that yet. So I don't. I'm not reading into it too much. I love that they associate Lana with Rusev because that is how we mostly remember her being the ravishing Russian that was always came out looking hot, walking Rusev to the ring and Rusev crash and all and that stuff. Being fantastic that and having, made Rusev awesome. Yeah. Right? No. At, Absolutely is one of the things that got Rusev over as a heel yes. was Lana. Yes. That being said, the hell does Michelle McCool have to do with The Undertaker other nothing. than nothing? So that was the one that I was kind of like, eh. But then, of course, Fair she eliminates enough. five people. And I'm like, why is she the one that eliminates five people? Anyway, I felt a bunch of different ways about it. But I guess I'm just going to I'm going to bank that one for now because, yeah, that's. I have no, I have nowhere to go with that one right now. Well, as we did with the Men's Royal Rumble, some uh, some analytical points of note. Uh, Trish Stratus had three eliminations, ultimately coming out at number 30, lasting for five minutes. But Michelle McCool took it with five eliminations in eight minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. Not to be outdone was Nia Jax, who was in the ring for almost just shy of 18 minutes with four eliminations. And she looked great in there, by the way. The, the well, one, there was she threw one of the legacy stars and almost ripped her shoulder off. That oh, was the one that... Oh, for crying out I'm loud. Gonna, I'm going to... Listen, y'all don't want old Nick and hating on Nia again. No, I don't. stop doing that throwing ridic- shit. Oh, my God. It's, it's wrestling. Oh, it's okay. wrestling and she's a Go big ask girl. Bailey what she thinks about it. Uh, Bailey is just fine, I, except for her push or lack thereof. <laughs> right. My point is, is Nia looked right in there. It's one thing I, I almost kind of missed from the men's rumble was the monster. Having the yeah. monster in there just, and everyone having to team up to get them out. That's what Nia was in this one. Well, and that was Nia cool Jax one. was eliminated on record by Asuka, Bailey, Brie Bella, Natalia, Nikki Bella, and Trish Stratus. Yep. It took all one, two, three, four, five, six of them to get Nia Jax out of the ring. Which is great. I love those kinds of spots. And, of course, our winner, Asuka, was in it for 19 minutes and 40 seconds with three eliminations herself to seal the deal and get her ride to face. I don't know who she's going to be facing yet. She didn't get to pick. She, uh, Ronda Rousey came out and spoiled her moment. Uh, Thanks, Ronda. Well, it's okay. Asuka slapped her hand away when she tried to shake her hand. Nice. So. Yeah. Uh, but so we got to talk about the rest of the show too, not just about the rumbles. The rumbles were great. But there, there, there was there was more show. There was other stuff on the show, <laughs> believe it or not. And there was even there was three matches on the pre-show. You had a cruiserweight match, which meant nothing, and just goes to show that the cruiser what they think of the cruiserweights. You had the club versus the revival, which the uh, the revival won, and this was a rematch of last Monday night where the rival got squashed by the club really quickly. I'm gonna be ha- I'm gonna be honest. Having this kind of face off between these two teams it, within the scope of a week twice, uh, I I got a little chub. Because this, the, I want really? to see these two teams go at each other. Ugh, I, I'm, I'm not terribly excited about it. And this was just a way for the revival to get their win back anyway. So it was kind of a nothing match for me. It was, it was the definition of a pre-show match. Okay. Um, another match on the on the pre-show. None of these were announced, by the way, until the day of. Another match on the pre-show that I thought was interesting that they put on the pre-show was the U.S. title match. We had an open U.S. U.S. Open challenge. Uh, from Bobby Roode on the on the pre-show, and Mojo Raleigh answers it, and the crowd reacted pretty much the way I did, which was okay. Yeah, well, going into this, I thought, oh wow, okay. So I had I had he was my dark horse in the United States Challenge tournament, right? Right. I th- I, I, I said on here on the show that I thought that there was a small chance that they might do it. So when I heard about this when I was watching the pre-show, I was like, oh. Oh, they might actually do this. No. Just to keep the, the U.S. title being dynamic and changing and stuff like that. Of course not. Bobby Roode no. won and retained. You're damn right he did, and he's going to keep that for a while, I imagine. And in addition, uh, I suspect the Mojo Raleigh thing, because it was an open challenge, I have my suspicions that this was a last-minute thing. I, I think hmm. that someone else was meant to take that slot. Uh, we'll find out in the next couple of days. What okay. that, we, might, we might hear what happened there. I'm going to research that, because that doesn't... 
That seems like an underwhelming choice, especially because he was just in, as you said, the tournament to yeah. get the U.S. title. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. On the actual main, uh, the main show, it opened, the whole show opened with the WWE Championship match, the handicap match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the champion AJ Styles. You talk about a moment where I went, what? They opened the show That's with op- this? Yeah, it's opening hot. You're Holy opening with the big match. It's a Royal Rumble match. You know, a lot of times, the Royal Rumbles, you'll have uh, like a championship match open the whole thing. I thought this was the appropriate place to put this because one aspect that we didn't mention about the Men's Rumble is that Ty Dillinger was supposed to come in at 10 again, <laughs> uh, uh, two years in a row, breaking kayfabe. Right. But, uh, but no, he got mugged backstage by Sami Zayn, who then inserted himself into the Men's Royal Rumble and then got eliminated kind of quickly. But uh, but that that's because of this match. We had a uh, it was actually a pretty good match, a lot of great spots, as you'd expect from some of the, the best performers in the company. But the story of the match is that after a great back and forth, and Sammy and Kevin doing a great job of kind of this heel tag stuff, you know, where they're they're always tagging like the fast tags, getting each other in and out really quickly. At the end, AJ fights back, separates them, and uh, the ref misses a tag. Or rather, he he misreads a tag. He thinks that the uh, that Sammy, while he's tussling with AJ, has been tagged has tagged out. That's uh, Kevin Owens has tagged himself in, uh, and then AJ ends up uh, countering Kevin's pop up powerbomb and gets the win uh, by pinning Kevin Owens, who was not the legal man as right. we saw on the on the camera. And uh, so AJ walks away, and Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn are left screaming in the ring. They've been they've been hornswoggled. Rightfully so, uh, because a couple of weeks ago, we had this happen between uh, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin and the Usos, where they pinned the wrong Uso. Right. And another referee comes running down the ramp going, no, 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 no. And that was my beef with this match, was that you guys just did this angle, but you did it where you've got refs watching other refs watching the match. And then they can correct it right away. This is a w, This is a championship match, and you don't have someone doubling up on this. You just had this happen, and you you proved this is the this is the problem is that they had this angle work the other way so recently. For me, this was a crap finish. Yeah, I it was agree. a great match with a crap finish. And I understand why they did it for storyline. And from a storyline perspective, had they not done the same thing a couple of weeks ago in another SmackDown, same brand. Had they not just done this the other way around, I'd have been fine with it. Yeah. But the fact that they just showed us, oh, no, 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 we have guys checking up on this sort of stuff. Well, where was it this time? Was was Shane responsible for it? Because you know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn after the match are backstage screaming at Shane about it, and Shane basically goes, yeah, I saw it. Screw you guys. Yeah. But, you know, was he the one who stopped the ref? If so, like make that more clear. To me, that was a, it was a little bit unclear. Uh, and I, I wasn't entirely happy with how they played that. Yeah, me either. Uh, you know, yes, of course, AJ retains fine. fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, it wasn't the call that I made. I think they did miss out. Honestly, outside of storyline, I think they missed out on a huge opportunity to have the first ever co-WWE champions, regardless of how long or short, if you will, they kept it. Um, it, it was a big opportunity to, to do that. Yep. Uh, and I have my own theories about where they're going to go from here and what this is all about and things like that that we'll talk about in the main show this week. But uh, yeah, AJ's AJ retained. Yep. Uh, in some weird botchy ref didn't see the not tag happen finish. Yep. Great. Yep. Movement. Yep. yep movement. Uh, no, th- and this is the thing is that then the announcers were putting it over like, well, he's the champ. And he's a good guy. So, oh, well, yeah, wasn't happy with it. Um, another match I was I was on the fence about whether I was happy or not was the other SmackDown match. Which was, as we said, the Usos against Shelton Benjamin, Benjamin. and Chad Gable, uh, and 
This was interesting. It was a two out of three falls match. And it's the first two out of three falls match I can remember seeing where one team goes two and oh and out. Yeah. Uh, it's usually, you know, it's almost predictable that you're going to have, you know, they're going to trade falls and then you're going to have the actual match be the third fall. Right. And in this one, you had an actual match before the first fall. You had these guys really gritting down and, and putting on a match and not, ta- not you know, uh, getting pinned. And to get the first fall, they had to nearly kill Chad Gable uh, with just multiple super kicks and all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff to put him down. And then there was a really quick roll-up for the second uh, fall, and it was out. And I, w- I was honestly, here's the thing. I like the fact that every once in a while we see a two out of three falls match go two falls and out. Like, that's good. It, it makes, makes the thing unpredictable. It makes the future two out of three falls matches unpredictable when you know that can happen. Because yeah. usually they're so predictable. You're like, all right, it doesn't matter till the third fall. That was going to be my argument to what you had just said is I like that this went two and oh because of that very thing. And it keeps both of those teams kind of looking strong. Yeah, I mean, extent. they did have to. I mean, it made I, I, that's my that's my problem though is it doesn't make benjamin and gable look that strong they looked strong in the match if you watch the match but the record's going to show that they went out to and out and almost no one ever does that sure so it doesn't look good for them in that respect and that's kind of the other side i'm coming down on I is that eh, that doesn't make gable and benjamin look that great it does make the usos look more dominant but then that's kind of the problem with raw is you've got one or two teams that are way more dominant than all the rest and one of smackdown's upsides was that all those tag teams are like any given Sunday could win. Sure. So, well, where does this feud go from here in your mind? Do you, do you see this continuing? Was this a blow off of sorts? I mean, they went two and zero. Oh. Isn't that kind of a blow off right there? I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll I don't see. know how they continue it after this yeah. uh, with that in mind. So after the men's Royal rumble uh, to a completely dead crowd, we had the Raw Tag Team Championships, The Bar versus J- uh, Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins. I can't imagine what the lines were like in the bathroom after that Men's Royal Rumble match. <laughs> yeah, because you're there, you're sitting there for 90 minutes. Probably and full because ain't no one, yeah. no, no one reacted to this match. No. And I was standing on my couch just at home like, like, oh, God, I can't, man. And it wasn't. And here's the thing. It was probably the perfect match from this card to put in this position because it was kind of a nothing match. It was Jason Jordan, who's legitimately injured, uh, not being able to compete in the match and taking a, a, a head bump spot really early to sell that he, like he was concussed the rest of the match. Yeah. And then tagging himself in at one point with Seth and then tagging immediately back out saying, no, 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 I can't. I'm, my head's all messed up. And Seth basically having a handicap match against Sheamus and Cesaro and ending up in a, in a losing uh, match. He ended up losing the tag titles to the bar. Yeah. Um, so it was really kind of a nothing match. I mean, everyone did great work. I can't really fault anyone for the story they told in this match. And, you know, both all, all these guys are, are great. But this was the right position to have this in because really of all the of all of the matches on this card, this is the one that meant kind of the least. Yeah. Uh, and I think the I think the combination of JJ being legit injured, I think this was just DOAs. It had potential, but it just didn't go anywhere with Rollins and JJ. So I I just I this that's why I picked the bar last week on our show was because it, it just it made too much sense. They need to get these two back apart. I, I just it, well, I think especially with Jason Jordan's injury. Sure, I think, I think that's also that was kind a of the nail in the coffin. That's for, ab- oh, yeah. it's it's a lot of nails in the coffin. I think for sure. But uh, you know, I think they can still continue the feud with or the building feud with Seth and Jason Jordan off the side. The bar now has the titles again. Fantastic. I hope we get the Good Brothers. I hope we get the Revival. I'm really excited for where the tag division can go in Raw now that we've moved on from that kind of Shield rev- shield Revival, Shield Resurgence, whatever it was 
um, that we all marked the, the hell the out deba- for for the about two weeks. You marked out for. <laughs> I recall having some skeptical uh, reactions to right. it. It was a debacle if you look back on it, either because sure. of the mumps or injury or whatever. The whole thing just yeah. fell apart. Uh, speaking of things falling apart, we had a lot of stuff falling apart in the last match to talk about, which is the Universal Championship uh, triple threat match. Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman versus Kane in what I can only describe as a let's destroy everything match. It, it, including reputations and arguably Kane. Oh, here we go. Um, you know... <sighs> I'm wait, I'm waiting. I know you have some feelings on this. The I'm letting you. The defining moment of this match for me was when Braun Strowman had to throw himself into the table in the corner of the <laughs> ring, and I went, you know what? That is simile for exactly what is going on at the t- for the Universal Championship right now. It is just, uh, it's faked. It's facade. It's just, it it's forced. It's being shoved down our throat. Because somebody wants something to be a certain way. That's a good point. It's, it's hard to get excited about this when this is by far the most predictable match on this card. And I would say in the last few pay-per-views, not that Brock's matches are ever not predictable anymore because we all know what they're gunning for with Brock. Yeah. But this is one where, you know, you and I were even saying the last couple of weeks, like, Braun could win this. Braun could win this. But once the match started, it was pretty evident pretty quickly that Braun was not going to win this. This was going to be the Brock Lesnar show. There was going to be a bunch of tables getting destroyed. And I will say there was some beautiful destruction being had aside from the table spot in the corner that you referenced where Kane just could not pick up Braun and Braun had to throw himself in there because Kane is he should not be in this position anymore. He should be running for mayor or coming out and scaring little guys. He shouldn't be the monster among monsters. And, and, and arguably, I even enjoyed Smiley Corporate Kane there for a while. I did too. That was a great, four or five a fun years character. ago. I thought that was fun. But even with all of my Braun Strowman markery, uh, here's what I'll say. Um, it, it just We knew going in that having Kane be a part of this was going to be the detriment of it in multiple ways. And if we could, we if we had gotten a legitimate, which I still think we will, we're st- we've still got two to three pay per views between now and Mania, right? I still think we will get a Braun Brock match. I don't think we will. Um, but I I think if we had gotten that legitimately in this kind of format with all of the implements and the tables and all of that stuff, it, it could have been a lot of fun because those guys can go well. Well, Braun can. Brock can't uh, that long. Brock He's- Brock can go. The problem is, is every time you put Brock and Braun in the ring together, one of them's going to get stiff with the other one, and then there's going to just be hurt feelings or hurt heads in this case. Because yes. uh, I think one of the most uh, one of the one of the takeaways from this match is that we learned that you do not stiff Brock Lesnar because he will lose his temper and stiff you back. And at one point, Braun put a bit of a too too spicy of a knee into the side of Brock's head and Brock immediately goes, you stupid motherfucker and punches Braun in the head so hard. I thought I saw his brain come out of his ear. They replayed it in slow motion and you could see his, his head shake, you know? Yeah. He gave him an uppercut to the gut first too, by the way, he just pow, pow. Yep. Uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. If you'll allow me to crawl up on the soapbox podium for a moment, crawl away. Um, last year we did a, a, a pretty good harsh segment on uh, sexy star down in CMLL shooting by doing an arm bar and, and it was triple a, by the way, a triple a, yes. I'm yeah. sorry, wrong promotion, but, uh, down at sexy star down and, and she took all kind and the internet exploded and everybody lost their minds and all that stuff. You do not shoot 
on another fellow superstar in the ring, period, zero tolerance, hard stop, like Brock Lesnar hit Braun Strowman in the head, maliciously, viciously, and childlike, cowardly, in my opinion. You just do not do that. And the fact that Brock Lesnar does not deserve to be in the WWE right now. He needs to be on some kind of suspension, some kind of consequence for hitting, a, hitting any superstar. I don't care that he's almost 400 pounds and seven feet tall. Hit anybody like that. You don't punch anybody like that. The reason we have European uppercuts, the reason we have forearm shots, is because they don't want guys taking blows to the head. The re- exactly. The reason we have open, ha- open palm slaps. You just don't do this. The fact that he shot on Braun like that needs to be addressed, and I'm I'm hoping he gets fined and something for it, but I'm fearful that absolutely fucking nothing is going to happen about it. So how did you feel when he busted busted open Randy Orton? I don't remember that much about it, to be honest. Because Chris Jericho was ready to kill him when he came backstage after that. I believe it. I believe it. And I, I don't know how this guy is still in the WWE. I'm tired of the Brock and Paul show. As entertaining as Paul Heyman can be, it's, uh, it's long in the tooth at this point. And this was kind of the final straw for me. I was still kind of okay with the big bad beast being the beast. But this was... I, I'm sorry, I have zero tolerance for this kind of so stuff to play, in the So to play counterpoint, if, if you're good. I'm, I'm done. I guess I said what I wanted to say. Okay, take a drink of water, yep. uh, deep breath, and I'm going to do a counterpoint on you here. Yep. And that is... That this is a time, and and in some, I'm quick caveat. I will say to some extent, I do agree that this was childish of Brock Lesnar and not very professional. But at the same time, Braun did get away with himself, and he did give him a pretty stiff knee to the side of the head. And this is a time-honored tradition in wrestling of giving a receipt. Someone's getting carried away and going a little stiff on you, you stiff them back, put them back in line. And that's exactly what Brock did here was give Braun a little bit of a, 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 a sharper tap. And if and frankly, I will say this, Braun got wobbly for a couple of seconds after taking that hit as any human being would taking a shot like that from a beast like Brock Lesnar. But it wasn't so hard that it, it didn't KO him. It didn't ruin the match. What it did was say, hey, Braun, you're a big dude. Watch yourself, man. You're hurting people out here. Because here's the thing. If Braun gets sloppy, a guy that size, he's going to hurt somebody. So I thought it was well within Brock's purview to give him a receipt there. Do I think that it was the most appropriate receipt to give? No, but Brock is a big walking bag of testosterone. So do I Do I understand? Yes, I do. And I thought it was a, it was a moment that... Um, it also made for good. It also, frankly, made for a good drama and a good match. I thought because it did continue and everyone was a professional and did their job from that point on. Had it been something where Brock injured him and the match stopped, then yes, I would be one hundred percent on your side. But given that this is a, this is a very very physical, eh, not imitation of a sport, but a very very physical representation of a sporting event. Sure. Sometimes you are going to have that physicality go too far. Had Brock just done this without any, without Braun uh, even uh, making him do it, like doing anything to make him do it, then yeah, I'd, I'd be on your side again there too. But this was this was Braun being a big boy, being a big dog, getting a little too carried away with himself, and Brock just had to put him back in line. I'm fine with receipts. I'm not okay with Brock Lesnar as big as he is as hard as he hits, as hard as he's notoriously known for in UFC, 
taking a right cross straight to somebody's temple. I don't care how big of a person you are, how, the monster among men. The, I saw how bad he staggered as soon as he got hit like that. Had it been anybody of lesser stature, they would have been out and potentially had you know bleeding trauma to the head. Well, he hit him hard. He did. And here's the thing: is That's, that we that know was more than a receipt. We know that Brock likes people that work snug. Samoa Joe works yes. snug, and yes. Brock said he loved working with Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe works snug, but never so much that it hurts you. So Braun obviously hurt him, and he did it. He did it in a sloppy way. So. Again, I'm playing counterpoint to it. I, I, I see both I don't sides disagree. That I don't think they need to come down on Brock as harshly as you're saying. I think that he probably got a talking to backstage. Like, hey, dude, come on, man. Don't do that. But I don't think it's worth a fine. I don't think it's worth any kind of suspension or anything like I, that. I think it, it came from a botched placement of either Brock's head or Braun's knee. And it just it went to the wrong place. I just hitting somebody in the temple like that is unacceptable. I love receipts. Don't get me wrong. I love stiff and working snug and all of that stuff. But at the same time, just hitting somebody in that spot in particular is is very, very dangerous. And and to play to to be fair to all sides here, you and I, we're not wrestlers. I have gotten in the ring before. I've taken a couple of bumps in my time, but I've never wrestled a match. I don't know what these guys go through day in and day out. And I don't know how it is when you're in, with, in the ring with somebody who gets carried away. I don't know. You don't know. So you don't know what it's like to be these guys and what it takes in, a, in the in the context of a match if someone's getting carried away to settle them down. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we we don't know what exactly went down there between the two of them. We don't know if they got backstage, were like and shrugged it off, or like hey, it happens. Okay, cool. Or if there was legit bad feelings afterwards. We we don't know. So it's not one of the things that we can really comment too much on, other than to just say that was a scary moment. Uh, it looked like Brock went a little bit too far. And that's all that's that's all we can say. I agree with that. All right. Moving on. Just like we've been predicting for weeks now. Uh Kane ate the F five and the pen and Brock's still your Brock universal. Is still your universal champion. champion. Whoop de doo. <laughs> Another reason I thought people might have been a little dead for the women's match was this match was a little underwhelming. It was kind of what we expected. Yeah. But uh but like I said, props again to the Philly crowd. They manned up for the women's Royal Rumble and overall top to bottom. It was a really good show, and they did go. They went through a lot of tables and a lot of destruction in the Universal Championship, which did keep it entertaining. Sure. So, as much as we sound like we're down on it, it's actually it was actually it was pretty fun. Decent. Yeah, it was it was what it was. But uh, overall, what a fantastic pay per view. Hey, whoa, hang on. Hang on. We, what? We, what? We, we can't get what? out of here yet. We we have to say that again. Oh no! Because I don't get to do this very often. <sighs> I won. Basically, because I picked Oscar. You to picked Oscar to win women's that, match. That was, that was a good call. I, I got <laughs> ahead of myself and picked Ronda Rousey. <laughs> but I, which, which, by the way, can I just go on record and say I'm so glad you won with that pick because I would have actually been really irritated if Ronda Rousey had come in and won the whole thing in her first time in a WWE. Would you have though? I, I, just, I would have. I would have lost my shit. I'd have been pretty pissed. Yeah. I'd have been pretty pissed, and I suspect a lot of the, the, the superstars as well would have been pretty irritated. I, I I would go on a venture to say that I would be more pissed about that than if Nikki Bella had won. I would have to agree. Yeah, I would have to agree, too. I, so, again, congratulations, and at least you won by picking the right person. I think this is my second win in second 50 Second win episodes. in 50 episodes, buddy. <laughs> Good job. And it was on the Rumble. On our 50th uh, episode, you got yay. to say, yay, way to go. But speaking of great uh, pay-per-views, we had another one this weekend, so we have to go over and talk about NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Yes, NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Uh, Look, (laughs) we were setting this pay-per-view up to be yet another potential upset and something for the following night's pay-per-view to have to live up to. 
And I was again. I, this thing delivered again. I, uh, once again, the takeovers <laughs> deliver. Good God, man! I mean, props to Regal. Props to Trips. Y- you guys just keep delivering on these takeovers, man. Yeah, this was another great show, top to bottom. Great wrestling, great story. And this one started off very appropriately because it was in Philadelphia with a nice speech by Paul Heyman, a pre-recorded segment by Paul Heyman putting over the city, putting over NXT. Brilliant. If you're any kind of Philly fan or ECW fan. Yeah. This was this was the way to open it. I got immediately pumped. Uh, Heyman, of course, you know as much as I think he's getting redundant with the Brock Lesnar promos, he can he's still the best promo guy in the damn business. I think as a throwback element to Philly and those days, he should have had a ball cap and a fake ponytail on. So oh, just to just to just to really amp it up and a, a really bit. really big phone. Oh wait, that's that's Paulie Dangerously from WCW. Excuse right. me, but uh, but no, it was. It was great to see Paul back there, and they did have an Extreme Rules match on this show, so that was also very appropriate. Uh, other exciting things about this show, before we get into the meat of it, we had a bunch of cameos in the crowd. Yes, sir. We, we, we just reported this a couple of weeks ago. These guys signed War Machine were in the crowd, and they announced them as their name, War Machine. Yes. So it looks like they'll be keeping their badass name. Uh, they're, uh, I can't wait for these guys to debut. I think they should probably wait until AOP is gone because they're a little too similar, big hosses, scary hosses, but whatever they announced them. Our boy Ricochet got shown in the audience. They called him Trevor Ricochet Man. Yeah, I was going to say there was some guy named Trevor Man in the audience, and then they also showed our boy Ricochet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, as long as they don't call him Ricochet Man, oh, then I'm, I'm okay with that. But uh, I don't Ace know. It's the Prince Palmer. Sorry. Stop it. Uh, this, well, I can hear I, Michael Cole now. I, I, don't put a mask on him. Just call him Ricochet. Calm the hell down. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but also, we saw Ethan Carter III in the audience, which AC3. I thought they called him EC3. I thought that was interesting. Is his name still Ethan Carter III? Is he still uh, Daisy Carter's son? Is this uh, or, or illegitimate? You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. You know, Regal's got enough of a legacy in the business to understand the dynamics of all of that stuff, and I, I think they'll stick with EC3. EC3 sounds cool. Yeah, it's I, just, I dig it. I do, do we keep the history with that? That's uh, what I'm saying. <laughs> do we change his name? I don't know. Fair anyway. point. Touche. I don't, I'm not going to address <laughs> that here. Saying, I mean, uh, hey, are we are we now including uh, including Daisy Carter in, in kayfabe? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But it was it was cool cameos. Uh, obviously, got us excited for more NXT stuff in the future. Let's dive into the actual card, though. It yes. opened up with the tag match: Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly versus the Authors of Pain, who were working face tonight. That was interesting, uh, and and I thought it worked. It was really cool. You had Fish and O'Reilly having to basically resort to every tactic in the book to survive this, uh, which is, by the way, a, a heel dynamic. We do not see enough, which is heels that are really, really damn good. And even when they are faced with impossible odds, will find a way to scratch and claw to keep what they have with what they have. They're capable. They're not chicken shit. They're badass mofos. But even if they're faced off with guys like AOP who are monsters, they're like rabid dogs when they're backed into a corner. And this was a great match to show that the Fish and O'Reilly were just they were just mean, vicious guys who got backed up by bigger dogs and then just went on the went on the attack. It was a it was a fantastic match, I thought. Yeah, it was great. A lot of hard hits. Uh AOP, I I've honest I'm so over I'm they are so over with me because they are big dudes who have the kind like you see this with the Bludgeon Brothers as well, where they've just got good ring presence, good ring psychology. They can work their style, their big guy style, so damn well. Yeah, uh, and they're they're fast, they're athletic. It's great. So 
This was, a, this was a nice dynamic between these two teams. I thought this was a great way to open the show. I thought this was an exciting dynamic back and forth match, just as you all laid, you just laid out. I really have nothing else to say on top of that. what you've already said, so I won't regurgitate it here. <laughs> so moving on, we had... Uh, well, we have to say real quick that Undisputed Era did retain their titles. Did. Yes. Uh, so which, which means what happens to AOP now is what I got to say. They've got to go up. Please as call them up. As soon as possible. Call them up. Next up, we had Velveteen Dream facing off against the always reliable Cassius Ono. Is or he always is reliable? He is he anymore? Reliable? Uh, this, this one was a little botchy here and there. Uh, it did have its moments for sure, but it's it starting. I'm going to say this. It's starting to feel like Cassius Ono, as much as he has this reputation of putting over, putting guys over that deserve to go over him, it's starting to feel more like the opposite where he's kind of getting in the way. He, I, I think so too. His match against Lars Sullivan at the last takeover was underwhelming. This one was kind of underwhelming. And I can't say that, you know, I mean, Velveteen's obviously the green one here. And there he had a was, great one with Roderick Strong. He did. He had a great one with Johnny Gargano, yeah. you know, uh, a fantastic one with Johnny Gargano. But, but again, you know, I got to go back to Hideo Itami really to find that's where, a, where he, he a, was that good again. And he had a good one there with Hideo, with Hideo as well. His yeah. feud with Hideo was great. But this was it was not a great match. It was mostly saved by the charisma of Velveteen Dream and his character and how well he works his character and a couple of big spots that he was able to pull off. Like this match, it did pull it up by the end. It was an entertaining match. It just wasn't as great as we were expecting or we were hoping. Uh, but that being said, there is no ceiling for Velveteen Dream. No. Let's just let's not mince mince words here. Let's not cut corners. Velveteen Dream is the real deal. There is only one downside to this kid, and that is that he is too green. But you know what? That's also an upside because he's only freaking twenty two. He has nowhere to go but up. Yep. He's got a great character. He believes in it fully. His timing, his instincts. Everything the way that he you know he changes up stuff when he comes to all his big matches like this time he was saying he was the knockout artist right he was he was he was gonna he came in dressed in boxing shorts with him and uh, and Cassius spray painted on it right the way he did with the uh, Alistair Black Alistair the Black, tights yeah. with you know like the the old Rick Rude thing he had a uh, some some like a beautiful woman and a guy like holding his mouthpiece on a on a satin pillow outside the <laughs> ring before he got it. No, it was just a bunch of great the the angle where he said he was going to knock out Cassius Ono in 60 seconds and the audience or 30 seconds the audience started counting the second the match started and then sure enough he did knock him down and then the match continued. It was all that stuff is just great character work. And so I, I think if he continues with that, he's going to be a champion. As far as I'm concerned, it's not if, but when he yep. becomes the next NXT champion. NXT or WWE. Or he's, even WWE. Absolutely. Wow. So Velveteen Dream does land the big purple Rainmaker elbow drop and go and wins. Against wins, as Cassius he should have. As, as he, he should have. have. Uh, Cash is still the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, regardless of how you feel, feel yeah. about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to Velveteen getting another good feud. Yeah. Next up, we had the Women's NXT Championship match. Ember Moon facing off against the newcomer, Shayna Baszler. I loved the build to this match, but I didn't really enjoy that much of the match. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, you guys have heard me say this last few weeks. I'm kind of down on Ember Moon right now. She's not. I, I think she had her moment back, and, and it, you know, eh. Eh, I'm just I, I'm more excited for Shayna Baszler to have a legit badass heel of that caliber in NXT because I think she's going to go far and we haven't really seen someone of that Healy caliber. Um, you got to go back to Healy Sasha Banks in my opinion to to really get find somebody that's that kind of vicious that Healy 
and, I'll, and I'm, I'll, I'll really go with you on that. Yeah. I'm really excited for for Shayna's upside. I'm just kind of over Ember, if I'm being honest. You know, and I, I I do understand that. I think Ember tends to overact and oversell just a little bit, yeah. uh, and it it is a little off putting. But that being said, uh, in this match, I liked their dynamic, and it was it was I thought uh, indicative of the pacing of the match and then the crowd being invested that the match started off with uh Shane, you know, them working back and forth and Shayna uh, injury, kayfabe injuring Ember's arm. Right. To the point where Ember was essentially functioning with one arm and ends up landing, <laughs> landing the eclipse, a one armed eclipse and KOing Shayna Baszler, but then being too injured to cover. Uh, and the crowd started, you know, chanting angrily about it. They were not happy with this. The fact that she couldn't get over there said boring and all the rest of it is Philly crowd. So they're, they're fickle, but uh, they were, they were angry about it, but then they came the, they did such a good job with the rest of the match where it turned into a submission fest. Shana just attacking that injured arm and almost constantly having Ember in a near arm bar and Ember trying to keep her from locking in the arm bar and you know, finding finding every way she can to to avoid the armbar getting fully locked in until she finally shifts the weight at the right time and gets Shayna's uh, shoulders down, gets a quick one, two, three, and dives out of the ring. The audience, when that happened, popped huge. Yep. they had gotten reinvested so much from that the low point in the middle of the match, which is what the that's what the rhythm of the match should have been. And they got the the two ladies got the audience reinvested because of that finishing sequence, that long, long finishing sequence. I really liked that. I thought it was I was with the crowd where I was kind of like in the middle of the match. Eh, meh. But then by the end, I was man, I was on the edge of my seat for that ending sequence. I legit thought she was going to make Ember tap at a couple of points. Yeah, me too. Um, and in, dish, in addition, I thought the action after the match was also fantastic because Shayna was sitting stunned in the ring for a while while Ember was getting tended to by the medical team outside. And then eventually Shayna gets mad, runs after her, gets halfway up the ramp, tackles Ember, puts her in a chokeout, and Ember sells it perfectly. She sells it the way that chokeouts actually work, not wrestling style where you're in a chokehold for a while and then you, you kind of go to sleep and you wake back up and you try to struggle out of it and you go back to sleep and you wake back up and you try to struggle out of it. Nah, she sold it like she got, boop, she was done. Yep. She's in it struggling for two seconds and out the way you're supposed to sell it, the way that like Hiroki Goto against Minoru Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> you're in it for a couple seconds and then boom, you're just, night, night. you're dead weight. You're yeah. night, night. And that's how she sold it. And even to the point where Shayna gets off her, gets back, puts it on her again, and then finally they pull Shayna off. And when Ember wakes up, she wakes up puking. She was selling her her throat so hard, she actually vomited a little bit. And that, that I was like, that's intense. I loved it. I loved how intense that was. Uh, so to me, I, I heard a couple people be down on this. I know you were a little down on it. I thought this was a great match. I thought both women really brought the intensity. and I was into the story that they told. Sure. I, I thought there was a little bit of laying around on the mat. Too much time in the arm bar. Ember hits her one eclipse spot. One, two, three, and we're done. It, it was just kind of a, it was so predictable and a little bit slow in that respect. And that's, I, I see Ember is kind of a one trick pony there. She's a, she works face. Well, she works, for, works upwards. Well, uh, but, and, but she basically writhed around in an arm bar, for half the match. You know what? I'm actually going to go out there and say that's due to Shayna and, and her limitations and not Ember's because go back you know, and watch. that's fair. Go that's back fair. and watch Ember's match with Asuka and tell me she's a one-trick pony. Okay. That girl can wrestle. That's fair. Uh, I think if she has an opponent who can who can step up on her level, then I, I think you'll see a whole new side of her. I think she's 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 still got a lot more to show. Okay. 
Well, hey, next up, Adam Cole faced off against Aleister Black in an Extreme Rules match. Ooh, man. Now, I got to say, I was looking forward to this one more than the one we're going to talk about next with Cian Almas and Gargano. I, the, this is my boy, Aleister Black. And about the only way this could have gotten better is if Lars Sullivan got involved somehow. <laughs> but I was I was all over myself uh, hearing these two guys get into an Extreme Rules match. And boy, uh, it delivered. They delivered. They were not playing nice. No, man. Oh, my God. There was blood everywhere. They were doing backbreakers on the backs of chairs. Uh, just... Uh, uh, there oh, were man. points. This, that, this was actually kind of hard to watch. Like, oh god! The, the way oh. an extreme rules match should be, where it makes you wince. The, to their to their credit, though, they never did anything that I felt was like life threateningly or scary, dangerous. Like some of the stuff you used to see in ECW, where you're like that someone could have actually died there. Yeah, New Jack. But you know, in this in this match, you didn't really see that. You saw some spots that looked really really gnarly. Like you said, the backbreaker on the the chair. They put the two backs of the chairs together. Uh, and they sold that really well, where it was originally the two chairs, the seats facing each other, and they you know, turns it around, and oh, the whole audience goes, "Oh shit, who's taking that?" Uh, Adam Cole, baby, he's yep. the one who took it, um, which, which is why his ribs were taped the next night. We know now that he why he came out <laughs> taped up in uh, exactly ribs, ribs taped up, and then he also took uh, uh, Alistair gave him a double knees through a table oh. uh, over in the announce area, which just looked that was that was my spot of the match. That was one of the most insane things I've seen. Uh, but yeah, a lot of brutality in this match. Uh, it ended up in a whole lot of chaos. We had Sanity and the rest of Undisputed Era coming out to get involved. It was madness. It was chaos. Weapons, tables, chairs. All legal. All all legal, of course, because... Because Extreme Rules. ECW. And uh, it was... Yeah, it was a fantastic match that absolutely delivered. It gave you everything you wanted. And frankly, I thought it was going to steal the show. But then Johnny Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas said... Hold my beer. We're doing this main event the way it should be done. So, a point of record here. I actually paused uh, the the takeover, and I was watching it live, but I paused it because I had to use the restroom at this point really bad. And I'm like, all right, I want to get a drink. I want to get some chips, some snacks, and I, I this is going to be a decent match. Let's watch this. So, when I paused it or hit play, I saw that there were like 40-something minutes left in the pay-per-view. And I went, okay, one of two things are getting ready to happen here, if not both. We're going to have a giant uh, Ciampa sem- uh, segment at the end of this that's going to close out the pay-per-view, or we're getting ready to have a freaking barn burner yep. of a match. How about both? How about both? How about both? Real quick, before we get off of the Extreme Rules match, I wanted to say, like, that's uh, this nothing about NXT that's fantastic, is that because they don't do these shows that often, they can go a lot harder, like the War Games match. Yeah. Um, my only curiosity is where does Alistair Black and Adam Cole go from here? Who goes after the title? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if Adam Cole can afford to continue to lose as he did in this match. Um, luckily, they, they both looked strong coming out of this because of all the interference at the end. Uh, Alistair looked, looked like he kind of got lucky to get the pin. Um, at least that's how they played it. So both guys come out looking strong from this, but they both, I mean, both these guys should at some point be the champ or get called up. Yeah. If there's no plans for them to be a champ, call these suckers up because I, my I call God. all three of them up. Honestly, um, I don't know what I would do with Fish and Riley or the undisputed area. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, as, as a unit, but I, it's a little bit too akin to what's going on with uh, like the Miz and the Miz right now with the threesome and having two of them. But you know these you, two guys. You don't yeah. mind. I, 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 we were talking earlier about how we need more stables. What would be, what would be the problem of another three man main roster stable? I, nothing. Okay. Nothing. All right. 
Absolutely nothing. We're on the we're on the same page. Yes. So let's get into this monster main event. Let us let let us. I'm going to go into this just prefacing. Yes, prefacing that this match wasn't even done. And I texted. I think you and I texted my boy Andy that this was a five star match. It wasn't even done. And I'm like, this is a five star match. This is absolutely insane. If you didn't know about Andrade Cien Almas, if you didn't know what he could do, if you slept on him. You should be wide awake after this match. I'm woke. If you didn't know why Johnny Gargano was called Johnny Wrestling after this match, now you know. This, it was a clinic on freaking wrestling. They did everything. There was incredible catch wrestling. There was incredible stiff shots. There was high flying. There was every psychology. Everything you want in a match was right here. And finally, to me, it was, it was Andrade Cien Almas' moment to finally say, this is what I can do. This is who I am. If you didn't know, now you know. This is why I'm one of the guys who started Los Ingobernables. This is why La Sombra was such a big deal in Mexico. This is why, you know, all of these things. This is why I came in with all this hype. Yeah. Uh, and I like the fact that his entrance was, uh, was coming out in something that was very close to a La Sombra mask. It was very similar to the La Sombra mask without yeah. exactly being it. It was kind of like Raven's music in WCW. You could tell yeah. it was Nirvana, but it wasn't so close that anyone was going to get sued. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, CFOs. But, uh, but yeah, so that was, that was a cool thing. Uh, and then just it was just uphill from there. It, the whole I, I, it's breathtaking. We can't even go into all the crazy stuff that was in this match. The, the, we could sit here and talk for an hour about this match alone, easily, and and where it ranks in. It, it's one of the best WWE matches I think I've ever seen. It's it's it's. I think it's inarguably one of the best. It's inarguably one of the best NXT matches. Arguably the best. Uh, it's up there with with Sami Zayn and Neville at uh, uh, and their match. Uh, Takeover Revolution, I think it was. Uh, up there with the three falls, Sami Zayn, Cesaro. Uh, with, with uh, we had uh, um, Dunn and Bate earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's up there with all of those, if not above them. That's how good this match it's, was. It's amazing that we're in January and we've probably already got the match of the year winner in the bag. I, that's it's scary to think that, but top, that's what I, I mean, think about this. I match. can't imagine anyone topping this. I don't know how they would. This was just nonstop physicality from start to finish. There was almost no rest holds, almost no rest. These guys just went at it and it was it was i don't think i've ever seen this many spike ddts in in, from both of them in one match ever yeah Uh, there were probably 10 of them if i remember counting right and i even like the fact that the you know you had that you had zelina vega even getting physically involved one time and johnny gargano had his whole family including his wife candice LeRae, who recently signed with nxt in the audience and she got fed up with Zelina Vega's interference. She jumps the the uh, the barricade and jumps on Zelina and chases her off. That was an added element to the match. I think that was fantastic, by the way. Um, and it also had a, oh yes, so great. But it was also had something that I like from my New Japan matches. The reason I like those so much, and that was that it, it was a match where you felt like in order for one guy to pin the other one, they were going to have to virtually kill them. Yeah, like these guys kicked out of so much stuff. They were like, the only way you're beating me is if you put my life in at risk. And that was how the ending ended up feeling, where you had Johnny Gargano sitting on the ring apron against the turnbuckle, against the uh, the uh, ring post, ring post yeah. with his lips caked with blood like he had on lipstick, just sitting there, like barely conscious, barely breathing. And you had Almas run at him and give him double knees on the outside, on the apron, into the post. Haul him back in on the top and give him a draping DDT from the top rope to finally just end him 
and it was it was so such an insanely brutal match and insanely brutal finish and it was yes that was something i've been missing in WWE, that Morrow, level of intensity. Yeah. Morrow and Percy were losing their minds. They're, they were constantly going up from a commentary perspective saying, when does somebody step in and stop this match? When is enough enough? Yeah, I oh, love yeah. that they were putting that over as, as just a, oh my God. Flashing you know? flashing me back to the days of J.R. and King commenting yes. on Mick Foley and how he tried to kill himself in how many different ways. And like, when, sure. is it, when do we stop this? Does Morrow breathe when he speaks? I don't, it, I don't know. He runs out of breath. <laughs> I, I think it's amazing. Morrow, if you're listening, we love you. Uh, f- you made that match even that much better. And Thank Percy's you. stepping up, too, by yeah. the way, because we were missing a commentator tonight, unfortunately. Uh, so we were only had, we only had Percy and Morrow tonight. Uh, we didn't have uh, uh, Nigel. Nigel McGinnis. Thank you. Uh, and, and they stepped up. Morrow had a great call after the Ember Moon-Shayna Baszler match where he said, I used to respect Shayna Baszler. I don't anymore. You know what I mean? I, I followed her in MMA. I can't say I respect her anymore. Like that was that was a great character moment. And during this match, he was my God, he was invested. He got you more invested. The crowd was losing their freaking minds for this match. We just saw possibly the greatest match of 2018, three weeks into 2018. Right. <laughs> well, it wasn't over then, though. Just when you're just when you're starting to catch your breath and they're playing Almas's music and him and Selena Vega are in the ring celebrating. Candice LeRae is dragging the corpse of Johnny Gargano (laughs) back up the ramp to the locker room. They turn around and almost as if to a respectful salute, Johnny Gargano looks back at Cian Almas in the ring. That that, That bald bastard! Oh, he hits him in the back with a crutch. Son of a bitch! Champa's back. Dirty bastard. We kind of knew he was going to come out. I was surprised he didn't get involved in the match. In hindsight, I am glad that he didn't because it would have ruined a perfect thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Had he been involved in this match, it would—I think it would have taken away from the match. Uh, I like it would have been a different match. It would have been a different match. Johnny Gargano would have had to be about to go over almost at just yeah. in, when when. Gar- and I, I, I I do prefer my matches without interference. You know yeah. what I mean? Like as much as it, I think from a story standpoint, it would have made more sense than him just coming out and hitting him after the match. Yeah. Uh, you know, kicking him when he's down in a sense, which I think is now I'm how I'm taking it is like he, I, I I'm I'm coming around to it to let's to, get him at the to, lowest of his low. Yeah, yeah. Champa, I'm coming around to Champa hitting him after the match now. Like at the time, I was like, ah, where's Champa at the end of this? No, I, I'm now coming around to because the match was so good. I'm glad nothing interfered with and it. They juked us. They juked us. They put the copyright up on the screen. I was like, ah, that's becoming a thing. It like, was that's, done. I was like, oh god, okay, uh, so no, no, Champa. Then, oh my god, there he is, Jesus Christ. That's becoming an NXT thing, though. Is every time they put up that that copyright thing, you can't take it seriously because it, Kevin Regal. Owens turned on Sami Zayn after it. Champa turned on Gargano originally after it. Like you never, you, come on, it's a, it's an ongoing thing now. You can never trust it. But yeah, the bald bastard is back. He hit uh, Johnny in the back, left him laying in Candice LeRae's arms, and. We go to, we go out with Champa standing over the broken body of his former teammate. Brilliant! It's it, it's it delivered on both fronts, and very rarely do you see something that well executed. All respect goes out to Regal and Trips for the NXT team for another amazing, absolute and barn burner of a card, top to bottom. All respect to Gargano and Almas for putting on a hell yeah. of a match. Gargano is, I think, in and I don't. I'm not saying this with hyperbole. He's the new Daniel Bryan. He's totally. the new Sami Zayn. He is the ultimate babyface. He's a guy that no matter how jaded you are, you want to see him win. You just, you just, he's one of those guys. You're like, I'd like to see that guy succeed. And so he's perfect for this Champa thing. It's like yes. everything is just 
it, it's perfect. Uh, the, well, I will say this as well. It was really good to see the NXT platform as a whole in a full-size arena uh, with full-size trons and stages and ramps because, uh, holy smokes, the Gargano, uh, all of the trons looked amazing. But to your point that you just made, the first thing I thought when the the smiley faces came up on the Tron and Gargano's music kicked was Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. First thing I thought of uh, when I saw that, I'm like, this this takes me back to you know 2012, 2013 of his run. The only thing that he's missing, as far as like the comparisons to Daniel Bryan, all he's missing is that one thing, like the yes chant with Daniel Bryan, like the one thing to really latch the or the Rusev day right now for Rusev, some one thing for the crowd to latch onto that will just. That's the next level. That's the stratospheric level. He's missing that one. It's such a tiny thing. Like he's got ninety nine point nine percent of everything. Yeah, but it's such a big thing too. It is. That's the thing. Yeah. If he has that, if he's gets that one, the Stone Cold three sixteen. The do you smell what the rock is cooking? That that one big whatever it is, whether it's a catchphrase or a movement or whatever, he's missing that one thing. That's all he needs, and he's got plenty of time to find it. You know what I mean? Like it, it took Daniel Bryan until near the end to find it. Yeah. So. You know, fingers crossed, he could absolutely be another Daniel Bryan. Yeah, we had to go through Team Hell No to get to Daniel Bryan. Hell No was amazing. You shut your listen, whore mouth. Listen, all right. Anyway, uh, congratulations, Ian, because we picked everything the same on this card except for the Women's NXT Championship match. You picked Ember. I picked. I went out on a limb and picked Shayna. You took home the TakeOver event. As I normally do, the fluke could not last for the entire weekend. <laughs> uh Luckily, we so we split the weekend. Uh, luckily, I didn't go zero and two. <clears throat> luck, <laughs> no luck involved. Pure skill. Right. But yeah, so that was our weekend of pay per views uh, in WWE Takeover and Royal Rumble. Good God, what a weekend! If this if this weekend is an indication of the year to come, high hopes. Yeah, good. You you just you just put the bar way up there for what's to come in the next few months, well, and, all the way to WrestleMania. And here's the thing: what we should also let everyone know is. This wasn't all that happened. This is just WWE this weekend. I was also watching New Japan's New Beginning, and my God, I can't wait for this week's show to talk about that because some big stuff just happened. Big stuff. Big stuff just happened over there. So we are gonna, we're going to sign off right now, but stay tuned. Later in this week, we do have our regularly scheduled show. We go over Raw, SmackDown, give our thoughts and analysis, recaps, reviews. We also are going to talk about NXT. Talking about New Japan as well. We got a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about this Rev week as Pro's well. Pro's cranking up all Re- kinds oh, of good stuff. Oh yeah, baby. We got no. It's gonna be it's gonna be a damn good show coming up later this week. Well, hey guys, thanks for hanging in there with us. Hope you enjoyed this Royal Rumble and Takeover pay per view. We do one of these after every single pay per view, so be sure. Well, at least for every single WWE pay per view, I should say. But that said, you can come and join us over at the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And if you like this show and want to help support it, you can head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Buy a sweet, some sweet swag, a t-shirt, phone case, coffee mug, stickers, you name it, we got it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe on whatever your podcast platform is, whether it's iTunes or any of the other ones you can find out there for Android. Uh, leave us a review. Give us five stars if you think we deserve it. If you want to give us feedback, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you'd like to see us change and do better. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But back up! Will somebody stop the damn match!
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.